Have you ever been excited about a big idea or felt motivated to act on a cause that really lights a fire beneath you? But then the fear of judgment, not knowing the next steps, and just overall self-doubt get in your way? Then you are in the right place. Hello friends, and welcome to Driving Well Indigenous. I'm your host, Jill Featherstone. In this podcast, we will hear from movers and shakers and change makers who are out there doing the work and have come to share their stories to help make our journeys just a little bit more easier. So buckle up and let's get started. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined by Blaine Constant. He is an Indigenous motivational speaker and business owner. He has triumphed over addiction and homelessness to become a symbol of hope and resilience. With his captivating tale of recovery and resilience, Blaine travels across North America, engaging audiences with his fiddle music and motivational talks. Please welcome Blaine. I'm really, really happy to have you here. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the work that you do just before we get into everything? Well, uh, I'm a 34-year-old Indigenous Cree man from Mississippi Cree Nation and Opaskwaya Cree Nation. I have been doing this work now in the motivational speaking field for five years. I now own my own business. Doing so, I do workshop facilitation, live music, public speaking. And I never would have thought it would be me in this line of work because uh, 10 years ago, just a little over 10 years ago, I was homeless living on the streets of Winnipeg and was very immersed in that life of addictions. But for many people, you know, a lot of people never imagine themselves. Nobody has imagined themselves becoming addicted to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I for sure as hell didn't, you know, like I, I had dreams and aspirations just like anyone else when I was younger. I never imagined that would become me, but that's a huge common mistake that we make as human beings is that can't happen to me. I'm too smart. I would never let that happen until it does. And so I spent 10 years with my addictions. It led me to so many dark paths in life. And I had almost lost my life so many times over. I spent four years being homeless out of that 10 years. And uh, so to be living this life now, I'm absolutely grateful for it. I never would have thought this would be me either. But the more that we learn about ourselves, the more that we stay learning, the more that we stay growing. And I've definitely learned a lot in the last 10 years, more so in the last four years, because I've been breaking out of survival mode. I didn't realize I was in survival mode for so many years of my life. I've been in survival mode since I was five, actually. So it was just a way of life that I had become accustomed to, couldn't even begin to identify that I was in it. It's just what felt safe for me. So in the last four years, I've been really learning to break out of that survival mode and start living my life because life is meant to be lived, not survived, right? So yeah, it's, I'm grateful to be doing what I do and to share as much as I can with the world of what I've learned, but not just all the good things. I share with them my mistakes and my insecurities and my flaws and what helped me to get there because a lot of people are afraid to sit with those emotions, to sit with those feelings, mm-hmm. feeling inadequate, feeling insecure uncertain about things in life, fears, insecurities, everything. A lot of people are afraid to sit with those, but it's sitting with those that have helped me to grow immensely over the last few years. Sitting with those uh, heavy feelings helps us to get to the healing. Because that's what I always tell people. We got to go through the heavy in order to get to the healing. What is that survival mode? Like, how would you describe it? What does that mean, really? It's going to mean something different for every single person because a lot of people, their survival mode is linked to their trauma. And for me, I think the first realization that I had that I was in survival mode still was just I always kept my clothes packed 
and ready to go by the door. I always felt like I had to leave, like I never had a home. And it wasn't until my buddy asked me, my roommate one time, he says, oh, where are you going, man? And I was like, nowhere, because I just finished doing my laundry and I packed up all my clothes and put it by the door. And he goes, fuck him, you're packing up. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I said, I guess I could probably unpack now, hey? And then he says, probably, because we had been living there for six months already. So I went and I started unpacking my clothes and it felt terrifying to do this. I was so uneasy about this, just putting my clothes in my dresser drawers and everything. And that was the first realization that I had been in this. I didn't identify it as survival mode yet. I had to wonder, I wonder why I was so used to packing up my clothes and having them by the door. And then I started to realize that I rushed through everything. When I eat, a lot of people sit down and they enjoy their food. I was just devouring it as fast as I could right. because for one... That linked back to the childhood trauma that I went through with the abusive stepfather and then also came from being homeless. So there was two huge major reasons as to why I was rushing through eating my food all the time. So just all these little realizations as to the way I was carrying things, like even the way I walk when I'm at home, mm -hmm. I still do this and I have to try and get out of it. I walk quietly around my place. I sneak around and I was like, I wonder why I walk so damn quiet. And I started thinking about it again, linked back to the childhood. If I had to get up and go use the bathroom, I didn't want him to hear me getting up or moving around. So I would sneak to the bathroom and then sneak back. And then it's just been a way that I had been carrying myself all this time. I don't want to walk around all heels and be stomping around, but I don't want to be sneaking around either anymore. So just little realizations, you know, rushing around, sneaking around, keeping my clothes packed and ready to go, never decorating my home, because I always felt like at any point in time, I may have to leave here. I was okay. used to getting kicked out from abusive relationships I was in. I was used to being evicted when I was in my life of addictions and stuff like that. Yeah. So I never decorated my home. And I linked that to the survival mode as well. I'm learning more about it as I go along, and I'm learning to identify and break these cycles so that I can begin and continue to live my life. I think yeah. survival mode is going to look a little different for every single person, but that's what I've been learning about mine. Then I'm sure there's the psychological side of things, you know, like how we carry ourselves, the way we react to certain things. And I have been doing my best to break away from being a reactive person. Because mm -hmm. when we react to things, it's never good. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times we'll get angry and we'll want to show that side or we'll be upset in some form and the right words don't come out that convey our message that we need to express. And I like to use that 24 hour rule. If something big has happened in my life, I'm not going to react to it right away. I will sit with it and try to find, okay, what's the best way I can approach this situation? What can I learn from this situation to prevent it from happening again? But if it has to happen again, what can I learn to handle myself better the next time around? A lot of self-work, a lot of uh, diving into why I do things the way that I do, taking accountability for my own actions and learning to carry myself better in a way that works for me. And that is not harmful to anyone out there. Yeah, that's definitely part of the work eh? is just the general realization that you're in survival mode. So then you can start actively working to take yourself out of there and start finding ways to help yourself to move forward. You know, you just reminded me of something. I was in a workshop with my friend. We were doing like a generational trauma exercise. You know how people talk about being survivors of generational trauma or residential school. She made this connection that her grandfather was a residential school survivor. And then it just clicked. That's all he's doing is he's surviving. And she's like, I don't want him to be just surviving, living each day, just surviving because, you know, he's still working through that pain and like carrying that 
every single day instead of actively leaving it behind him and moving forward. He was like living in the pain. So it's just, you know, when you said that, it just linked everything together is even though we've, you know, we've come through those dark times, we're still kind of in them because we're carrying them with us. We're surviving through those and still carrying them day to day. I saw a thing recently, it referred to women, I'm paraphrasing here, but it said the woman that puts that self work in and is putting in that healing work for herself is also healing those before her and those after her. And so, you know, they're healing their grandmother and their mother and their children. And that's absolutely right. And I've been learning that because as I put in all this work on myself, as I identify all these things for myself and I have these conversations with the people in my life, my dad soon began to realize he's been in survival mode all these years. And mm -hmm. so he would sit with all these thoughts and think about it. And he was like, you know, my boy says, I never realized I've, I've been surviving all my life. He said, I never put the two and two together. But after listening to you talk, he goes, I realize that I need to start living. So ever since he's made that realization in his life, he's been taking all these steps and things have been getting tremendously better in his life. And I've seen such a change in his mental health and his perspective on life, the way he carries himself every day. So it's absolutely true that when we put in that self-work for ourselves, it's not only benefiting us, but it's benefiting all those before us and all those after us, because that's why our ancestors and our family members that went through that dark part of history, that's why they fought so hard was so that we can live our life. We weren't meant to be here to survive. We were meant to live. A good way at honoring all our loved ones that were before us is by taking good care of us. And that same mentality applies to those after us. So I'm constantly telling people that by taking good care of ourselves is also taking good care of our loved ones because a common thing that i tend to hear from people is well i can't take good care of me i have four kids you know i'm a single parent i'm this i'm that and i remember i had to realize none of us can pour from an empty cup mm -hmm. so it's good to take good care of ourselves and when we do that that is also taking good care of our loved ones because now we have more love to give more of ourselves to share things aren't so challenging now when we remove all that pressure and we take that little bit of time for ourselves and we set that example so many people are watching you know our kids and our little cousins our nieces our nephews whoever right and also our family that's older than us they're all watching so as we live this life and take good care of ourselves and they see how much it benefits us along the way it they begin to adapt that same mindset that hey you know what i deserve to take good care of me too so whether it be, I always tell them, you know, if it's 15 minutes to one hour or a day, if you can take that time for you, because you'll always be glad that you did. Even if it's 15 minutes of sitting in the car before you go into the house after work, if it's waking up an hour earlier before you normally would, and just having that time to start your day off in a way that works for you, that's self-care. I'm so glad I started learning about self-care because I'm able to convey the message to the men as well, because I'm sure there are a lot of men who thought very much like I did. When I used to hear self-care, <laughs> I thought that was for the women. It's like, yeah, right feminine away, or something. <laughs> yeah, my mind would go to Manny Petty, Spa yeah. Day. And, you know, that's absolutely what self-care can be if that's what it looks like for you. But I never gave it any thought because the moment I'd hear self-care, I just thought it was for the women. Mm -hmm. Self-care is for everybody and nobody should be above it. The beautiful thing about it as well is what you do for self-care doesn't need to make sense to anyone else but you. As long as you're not out here harming anyone, keep doing these things.
For me, it can be going, sitting at the lake fishing for the day. It can be sitting on my balcony, reading a book with a cup of coffee. It can be sitting with my guitar to start out my day and just playing some songs that bring me back to a good place. It could be randomly going for ice cream. All these little things are just ways of good taking good care of me. And they do so much for me. So I'm always telling the men, practice that self-care because practicing self-care is practicing self-love. And you absolutely deserve to love yourselves. When I put it in these perspectives for them, a lot of them start thinking, thinking about it and they say, hey, you know what? I didn't even realize until you were talking up there. I don't know what I like to do for fun. I'm always focusing on my family or my wife or my partner or whoever, right? I never realize that I don't know what I like to do for fun. And I say, well, I'm really glad that you were here then. Maybe it's time to start figuring that out for yourself as you go along. The messages that I get from people who have attended a workshop where they say, I've been learning so much about myself since I went to your workshop that time. I'm learning about these things I like to do. I learn about my energy and how to value it. It's beautiful to be able to share a message that has helped me so much in my life to share it with others in a way that helps them. I would imagine there would be a lot of guilt surrounding self-care. You know, sometimes I neglect myself because I want to spend time by myself, but I have all the housework that has to be done, or I have the kids that need all of my time, or my husband works away from home. So when he comes home, I feel obligated or that I have to give him my time. And then I feel guilty if I want to take time for myself. So then I have to fight that guilt and have these conversations in my mind because I know that if I don't take time for self-care, then I'll start to develop resentment. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to have resentment towards my husband or be angry at my role as a mom. Like there's just so many battles that we play in our our minds surrounding self care. I don't know. I I just don't know why it's that way. I think a lot of us have become really good at overthinking everything. So we apply overthinking to everything in our life. And a good way to that I began to battle that in mind was just by directly communicating to my, whether it be my children or when I was in a relationship, I would communicate it with my partner or my family, my loved ones. I would just say, hey, right now I have to take some time for me. I have a lot going on in my mind right now and I need to take some time to put some of that stuff down. I'm just going to take some time for me right now. I just want you to know that I'll be okay, but it's really important that I do this. And saying that out loud, because our words carry so much power. Like how many times have we had a good thought that would come to mind? And if we didn't do anything with it, it's gone. And we can't remember what we were thinking about. So for me, I need to say this stuff out loud, not just to others, but to myself. So I will just directly communicate this to them. Majority of the time, 99.9% of the time, I would say our family and our loved ones will understand and they'll be grateful. We express that because the other alternative for me was like how you talked about resentment. Soon I begin to be carrying a lot. If I don't take any time for me, I'm going to be carrying a lot. They're going to see it in the expression on my face, that I'm not my usual self, that I'm quiet, I'm very secluded. I don't want to do that anymore because the overthinking part, our loved ones will start to think it has to do with them. Yeah. Yeah, They'll start to think, did I do something wrong? Like, how come you don't seem like yourself today? And if I'm constantly pretending that I'm always okay, that becomes a burden that I have to carry. Because the truth is we're not always going to be okay. And I have to tell myself that it's okay to not always be okay. So taking that time for me is so important. And I have to say these things out loud. I have to give myself these reminders to it. You know, I like to start my day off with positive affirmations. If something happens in a day and I'm struggling with it, I will give myself some self-talk. So I'll sit there in my car, I'll go for a walk, or if I'm just in the comfort of my home here, I will sit here and say things out loud to help 
that battle in my mind, because I think we all go through that where we know what the right thing to do is, but there's all that doubts and everything and rain on our parade kind of thing. So I have to say things out loud in order for me to take back the power over my life. Directly communicating to our family what we need, they're going to appreciate that. They're going to learn from that. And it sets that example. Because as I've been doing this in my life with my children, with my loved ones and whoever, when they need time for themselves, they communicate that to me. And that right there is such a huge benefit that I've seen from me setting this example. My kids will say, Dad, right now, I think I'm just going to go lay in my room, okay? I'm not really feeling too good. And I just want to take some time to just be in my room and be alone for a little bit. And I say, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. I say, is there anything I can do? And they say, no, I just want to go lay down for a while. And I say, okay, I'll be here if you need anything. And I'm grateful they shared that with me instead of just acting out, instead of being grumpy little teenagers or whatever, you know, like they will communicate to me what they need. Direct communication and taking good care of ourselves sets that example and gives us more of a capacity to be able to give what we need to to our loved ones. Mm -hmm. But none of us can pour from an empty cup. So it's always good to take that time to fill up your cup. Right. When and how did you first start to realize and understand the importance of self-love? You know, I never gave it any thought in my life, ever. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was doing presentations out in Saskatchewan. And after I was done, you know, I always allow that time for people to come up and share what they took from it or just express their feelings about the presentation and workshop. So this elderly woman, she came up and she says, hey, she says, thank you so much for coming to my community and sharing what you did. She said, you made some really good points. I said, oh, well, thank you so much for coming out today. I said, I appreciate that. And she says, can I ask you something? Sure. She says, do you love yourself? And when she said that, I burst out laughing because the way that my brain automatically interpreted this was, are you full of yourself? Are you cocky and arrogant? Because that's the society that we grew up in. If you love yourself, then you're full of yourself. Right. If you're full of yourself, yeah. then you're cocky and you're arrogant. Like you're conceited so when, or have too much pride. Yeah. And a lot of that I had to realize was just projections of their own insecurities. And I had to realize that by looking within myself and how I've reacted to situations, how I've viewed people that I saw who were confident and blah, blah, blah. So when I laughed at her question, she looked at me and she goes, I'm serious. Do you love yourself? And I thought, oh, uh, I think so. And she says, well, I think that's something you need to figure out. And when you figure that out, so much more will make sense in your life. So I left from that event and I was just driving down the highway and I'm thinking, huh, do I love myself? And if so, what does that look like? Right. What does loving myself look like? And I couldn't begin to even try to answer this question. And it baffled me that I was a grown man in my 30s, unable to answer this question. But that was also linked to survival mode. I never thought about loving myself because I was in survival mode. I began to start thinking about that, but I put that question down for a bit. And what led me back to it was self-care. Me learning about self-care was the damn pandemic. When that pandemic started, everything that I was doing and everything that I was working for came to a dead stop. And now I had to spend majority of my time alone. I was faced with the options of self-care or self-destruct during the pandemic. So I began to start figuring out what self-care is going to look like for me. And I began to say those three words out loud, I love myself. But when I first tried to say it, I, I was including it in my affirmations. And I would look in the mirror and try to say it to myself while making eye contact in the mirror. Couldn't even begin to get the words out. I know, I right? I was looking in the mirror and I was like, I love myself. <laughs> That's cool, right? I was like, I'm a good man. I just kept <laughs> looking away. 
because I never gave myself credit where it was due in my life. Yeah, I was always so quick to be hard on myself, but never gave myself credit where it was due, never acknowledged the things that I was doing that were good in this life, just always hard on myself. Learning to love myself has been such a beautiful journey. I always share with crowds that the best way to gently open that door for yourself is just by saying those three words. I love myself. And I tell them it's going to feel weird at first. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel ridiculous saying this stuff, but you absolutely deserve to love yourself. You deserve to be proud of yourself. But if there's anything that I've learned about people is that they will always have something to say, whether we are doing good in life or whether we are doing not so good. People always have something to say, and it's often just a projection of their own insecurities or unhappiness or something. Mm -hmm. Because I only realized a few months ago, and I shared this online, that I remember, I think it was five years ago, six years ago, I was at an event, and I saw a guy come into the room. This was The room was packed, and I saw this one guy walk into the room, and he just had this confidence about him. And he was walking around, and he's like shaking hands and, you know, smiling at everybody and talking with everybody. And I was looking at him, and I was thinking, who the hell? hell does this guy think he is look at this guy i was just watching him go around the room and i was like man who does this guy think he is for real you know like look at him look look at the way he's acting it for some reason it bothered me so much to watch this guy carry himself in a good way so a couple months ago i had to ask myself why is that why did it bother me so much i had to look within myself my issue wasn't with him right it was with me and i was projecting that insecurity at a guy who did nothing wrong to me he just came walking into the room he appears to love himself he appears to have this confidence and deep down i guess that was something that at that time i wished i had yeah so it was just a projection and i'm so glad that i've realized that because now when i see somebody walk into the room like that i'm happy for them Mm -hmm. i'm happy that when i see somebody that looks like they are happy in life that they love themselves that they have this confidence and self-esteem because we all deserve that and so if there's anything that i can do to help people to get there or to open that door for themselves and start figuring that out i want to keep sharing these things we all deserve to love ourselves that's just the absolute truth you know what infuriates me is that why aren't we learning this in school you know right I feel like we learn the most ridiculous things like why does it <laughs> need to know how to do quadratic equations or long math stuff and I think why aren't we learning how to love ourselves we should be learning that in kindergarten and have it progress all the way all the way right from the beginning just like our other subjects learning to love yourself needs to be incorporated into our teachings it blows my mind that we're not learning it you know it's funny that you brought that up because while I was getting ready this morning for some reason I started thinking about that too why isn't mental health and learning to love ourselves a part of the curriculum in schools? It absolutely should be. Even if it's just a half hour to start the day out or some some point throughout the day. And starting our day and ending our day even. Oh, yeah. Just absolutely. the way that we start our mornings and end our day in life. I do anyway. Oh, same. You know, I like to start my days off in a good way and do my best to end it off in a good way. Because I don't know what every day is going to look like. But I do know that my best is going to look different every single day. And I'm okay with that. I will always do my best to practice gratitude for all these beautiful things in life and for the lessons that I've learned. I am grateful for the good times and the hard times because those hard times led me to becoming who I am today. It wasn't just the good times in life that made me this person that I am. It was sitting with all those hard times and learning as much as I can from them to become the person that I am today. And I am proud of the person that I am today. And
And it's a beautiful thing to be able to say that. I was never proud of myself ever in my life. And I've achieved and accomplished quite a few amazing things with my music and with the work that I would do in all these different fields. Never once was proud of myself, though. So to be able to say now, I am proud of the person that I am today. Such a beautiful thing. Yes. And even to learn how to celebrate yourself. I don't celebrate my accomplishments. And I was like, okay, why am I not doing anything? I just brush things off and I kind of go on with it. And I, I've never actually celebrated any of my milestones. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, this time I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate myself. And I'm going to throw myself a retirement party. And I'm going to do this because, you know, I didn't celebrate my book. I didn't celebrate the different degrees and stuff that I've obtained over the years. Like I just didn't celebrate things. And because I thought it was being too proud or boastful or acting like I was better than somebody. Mm -hmm. And I never celebrated. So now I'm retiring from my job. And I call it a retirement because I don't plan on ever working that type of work again. And I'm going to celebrate it. And I'm not going to be attached to outcome or anything. I'm just going to celebrate it with just the intention of celebrating, you know, not for who shows up or pictures or anything like that, just for the pure intention of celebrating something that I'm really proud of. That's beautiful to hear, you know, because I was the same way too. I never celebrated anything that I had done. Never was proud of myself. would always like try to downplay achievements yeah. or accomplishments. Yeah. And I had to think, though, all my life, I've had no problem announcing mistakes or being hard on myself or saying bad things about myself. I had no problem announcing that to the world. Mm -hmm. Why is it that I have such an issue sharing the good things with the world? Yeah. So I had to start learning to retrain my brain. That comes with being gentle on myself. So when I make mistakes, I don't say bad things about myself anymore. I just try to learn from it as best as I can, uh, because the truth is. If there's one thing we all have in common in this life is that we are going to make mistakes. It's mm -hmm. just the truth. It's a given. It's human nature and it's what we do. But the key is to learn from those mistakes. So the fact that I'm being a bit more gentle on myself in that regard gave me more room to start being proud of myself. And what really helped me with this was uh, remembering back on this conversation I had when I first got sober. When I first got sober from drugs and alcohol, um, I had spent 10 years in that life style of addictions. And so one day I woke up and I decided I don't feel like drinking today. And drug use and drinking go hand in hand for me at that time. So I just decided to be sober for today. I'm not sober forever. I'm not sober for this month or the rest of this week, just for today, because this is what made it manageable for me and made it feel well within my reach. Okay. So as I was going along, I remember when two weeks hit, I was passing by the calendar and I saw that I had made it two weeks and I thought, wow, I haven't drank or used drugs in two weeks. That's amazing. I felt shocked and a little proud of myself. And I remember two weeks, I remember 30 days, I remember 90 days. And I remember I told somebody one time, I said, hey man, guess what? I was like, I haven't drank or used drugs in six months now. And his response was, hmm, come yeah. talk to me, got two years. And when he said that, it like kicked my legs out from under me. Yeah. Just a moment before, I felt so proud, so happy, and was celebrating this, this feeling. When he said that, kicked my legs out from, from under me and I thought, man, but then I realized, you know what? You don't get to decide whether or not I get to be proud of myself. Right. Because you don't know what it took to walk away from that lifestyle. You don't know what it takes for me to stay on this path. 
I absolutely deserve to be proud of myself. And so remembering that conversation has helped me to be proud of myself in my life because I know my story better than anyone else in this world. With people that you, only you know your story better than anyone else in this world. You know all the things that you have been through in life. You know everything that has sort of fallen onto your lap, all the times you felt like thrown in the towel. But yet here you are today. And if you're at an event that's based around healing, that tells me a lot about who you are, that you are putting in that self-work. You absolutely deserve to be proud of yourself. So I talk about being gentle on ourselves as we make mistakes and learning to be proud of ourselves when we're doing good in life. Yeah. There's that balance that we need to have. I like to refer back to Bruce Lee's saying, he always used to say bad things about yourself, not even as a joke, because your brain doesn't know the difference. The beautiful other side of that coin is if you say good things about yourself, your brain will begin to believe these things. Mm -hmm. We deserve to say good things about ourselves. So when I start my day off with positive affirmations, I will say things like, I am a good man. I am a good father. I deserve to be happy in this life. I deserve to love myself. I deserve to be proud of myself. And so I'll start it off saying these things that are all 100% true. I still at times struggle with that whole worrying about having a boastful mindset or being too proud. There's yeah. no such thing as being too proud though. And if somebody has an issue with you being proud of yourself, Their the issue. issue is not with you. The issue is with themselves. And so they need to look within themselves as to why this bothers them so much. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't want to take the time to sit with that. They don't want to take that accountability because it feels ugly at first. But the more you do it, the more you learn from yourself. You have to take that level of accountability within yourself and things that you are doing to perpetuate the cycles that you are in, um, you know, the way that you handle certain situations, the way that you view the world, all of this stuff, accountability. And yeah, and it's helps. not a competition, right? No, absolutely not. I do my best to try to understand that competitive mindset. Yeah. But I can't really because even with music, I never got into music to be better than anyone. Right. I got into it to provide fun entertainment because I remember the, the square dances we used to have back in Grand Rapids when I was a kid the way the elders would all come out to the middle as soon as the band would start playing and um, they would just have fun and dance and laugh I wanted to be a part of that I wanted to help to provide that so all throughout my music career I've never been big on competition because I always thought the more of us out here the better and that's the same way that I look at this work that, that I do here, you know, with, with public speaking and workshop facilitation, the more of us out here, the better. Imagine yeah. what we could all achieve if we work together instead of against one another. And there's you know, room for us all. Oh, absolutely. Right? And there is no room for ego in this work, though. You know? Yes, <laughs> that's if, if one you... thing I can't stand is ego. And I'm at this point in my life now where if um, if I'm in a space and I start feeling that somebody is driven by ego, the, the entity that I'm working in is, is ego driven, I just remove myself. Sometimes I'll just openly say, I just can't deal, I deal with ego. I'm not mm -hmm. here to battle against somebody's ego. Because when that happens, you know, the real work can't get done. It's, it's not going to get done. It's good to remove yourself. It's good to be able to identify and know that that is not an energy you want in your life because I'm the same way you know if I notice somebody is very ego driven it's such
such a turnoff for me. Yeah. And it's not, <laughs> it's not the energy that I want to be around or invite into my life. Yeah. So it's, it's good to remove ourselves from, from those situations if we can. Yeah. And if not, then finding what works for us to get through this if we have to be around this yeah, yeah. And, and I don't waste my energy arguing with anybody or debating with anybody or just even no. engaging if I no. have to be there just kind of almost just blocking it off and waiting waiting it out <laughs> yeah I remember those feelings all too well and just trying to just doing my best to sit through this without grimacing too much because <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember listening to somebody talk and they were calling themselves all these huge unofficial titles that they thought of themselves and they just talked about how amazing they thought they felt that they were it didn't come from a place of humility at all it didn't come from a place of self-love it came from something that i couldn't begin to understand so i just decided to leave it be because people will be people and we can learn something from every single person in this life whether it be people who have done right by us or have done us wrong or, exactly. you know and it's not and it's not your job to go in and educate him or it's not your job to change his thinking you know you can only worry mm-hmm. about about yourself and the way you choose to present yourself to people absolutely and that's that's the biggest thing that i have to remember when somebody is carrying themselves in that way is that we are only in control of ourselves We can't control what others do or how they view the world or how they see themselves or anything. All we can do is live our best life and be that example and remind ourselves that we are only in control of how we carry ourselves, you know? So giving myself these reminders helps me to handle the situation as best as I can. I know that I carry myself in a good way because I know the intentions that I walk with in this world. I know that I am just a person that wants to help others to find what works for them, to Mm -hmm. gently open that door for healing for themselves. If there's any other sort of energy that's brought into that, an event where I'm working at, I just try to keep my distance if I can. I will always hope that even if that person is up there talking and they're very ego-driven, that I just hope that somebody can take something from this presentation that they're offering. Yeah. And I'll just go up and do my work the way that I know how to. It's not my place to correct others or to tell them how to live their life or to tell them how to carry themselves. All I can do is just be me and try my best to be an example and to treat others how I want to be treated in this world and just continue on. Yeah, and you can take a mental note for yourself. Okay, make sure you don't do that when you're up there. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned something, you were talking about square dances and stuff in Grand Rapids. So what I want to, just for people that are listening that don't know a whole lot about you, I want to provide them a little bit more insight into your life. So I'm just going to say a few words on what I've seen of you. And because I don't have a really close personal relationship with you other than you were my sister's friend. So we're from the same community. And what I saw of you is you were always somebody like I'm not at all surprised that you're doing this type of work today. Like not at all. And and what I remember of you is just being a little boy. You had your fiddle everywhere you went. So my sister's nine years younger than me. So you're around the same age as my sister right yeah and I always remember you were such a good person because you were such a nice kid like you were so nice to my sister and you always had this genuineness about your character but what I also remember is I'm sure people have said this to you before is that you're an old soul have people said that to you 
all the time. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, so what I remember is this this little kid hitchhiking around at like, I don't know how old you were, like 11, 10, yeah. 11 years old. You're hitchhiking around by yourself and you're going places with just you and your fiddle. How is it that that was your life? And take us uh, back to that. Like, take us into that part of your life. So I've been wanting to be a fiddle player since I was four years old. Going to those square dances opened that door for me in my life. And so when the opportunity came about at 11, when the Frontier Fiddler program came to Grand Rapids, I immediately jumped on it. And I was only there until the end of the school year, though. And then I ended up moving to Winnipeg, where I didn't have anyone to teach me fiddle anymore. So I just had a stack of CDs that I would listen to and try to match what I was playing to what I was listening to. So I, a few months later, I went over to the Métis Federation. They were offering lessons there. They said, well, pull out your fiddle, show us what you got. So I pulled it out. I started playing a couple songs for them. They said, okay, we'll give you a call in a couple of days. Let you know when classes start. I said, okay. I get a call the next day from a very familiar sounding voice on the other end of the line. And it was Ray St. Germain from NCI's oh. Métis Hour. So I grew up listening to this show with my grandma and my mom and stuff every Saturday. So I'm sitting here listening to this guy talk and I'm thinking, why do I know this voice? This guy sounds so familiar. After we had established who he was and why he's calling. They had offered me a job at the Métis Federation to begin teaching fiddle and offered me to come in on the show. So I went from being this kid that carried my fiddle around everywhere, playing for people who would ask me to, or playing outside the gas station to get some change in my case or whatever, right? To being on the radio six consecutive times, which led to me doing TV appearances and all these big things. At that time though, after my grandma passed away, I was raised by my mother was a single mother. She had four kids and my two little sisters, when they were young, had really rare blood diseases that one was so rare that she was the 601st person in the world to ever have this. At the time she was diagnosed with it, there were two other people in the world who currently had it. So my mom had her hands full. She didn't have time or room or the capacity to come and be at my shows a lot of the time because she was always at the hospital with my sisters. My little sister, my youngest one, wasn't supposed to live past two years old, but she's still with us today. And she just celebrated her birthday the other day. So because my mom was so busy at the time and very understandably so, I never had any expectation on her to, to bring me to the shows or to get me there or to anything. Mm -hmm. So I would just take it upon myself to go. And I found myself hitchhiking a lot of time because I was just excited to perform. I was just excited to play. And I'm meeting musicians along the way that I had grown up listening to. If they said like, hey, can you come out to Crane River on Friday? Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know anything. I wouldn't even tell them I don't have a ride. I would just look on the map in which direction I need to start walking. And I would start walking. And I've always joked that it's been like a I'm hoping it's not a hereditary thing because my dad was a big hitchhiker in his life. Oh. So I think that was kind of why I was just like, well, I guess I'll just hitchhike, you know? I'm hoping my kids don't follow in those footsteps. <laughs> But I was, I was okay with it. I just hitchhiked all over the place. Uh, it didn't seem crazy or chaotic to me, mm -hmm. unless I was dealing with wildlife. There was times I dealt with wildlife, and then I would be thinking, why do I do this to myself? Why am I out here? When you're out walking on the highway, and you see bear cubs playing on the side of the road, and you're in the middle of nowhere, if yeah. this was something you watched on National Geographic, two little bear cubs wrestling, you would think to yourself, oh, that's so cute. Yeah. you know. But when you're walking in the middle of nowhere and you see these bear cubs, the last thing you're thinking is, aw, so cute, <laughs> you know? So, you know, mama bears nearby. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
it was just a part of the journey that I had to go through in order to be the musician that I wanted to be. And I never did it because a lot of times I would even tell people I hitchhiked. Mm -hmm. I would just get there and be glad that I'm there, do my show, hitchhike back if I had to. If sometimes it would come up like, hey, didn't I just see you walking on the highway a couple hours ago? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was me. I made it here though. And then out of nowhere, you know, people start giving me heck like you hitchhiked here. You're 12. What the hell? And, you know, like I just did what I felt I had to do at that time to continue living this dream that I was living because my biggest goal and my biggest dream when it came to fiddle playing was to play for the elders back home for those square dances. Mm-hmm. I never did get to do that though, because a lot of them had passed away around the same time. I never was given that opportunity to play for the all the elders at square dances, but I was opening up all these doors I never imagined were possible, you know, being on the radio, being on TV, meeting thousands of people meeting celebrities and doing a big stadium show of 35,000 people. I never imagined that all those doors would be be there for me. Yeah. And playing Um, fiddle for the queen. That was a cute story that you told about your bow. I guess you can't really show it. You have to really show (laughs) the bow (laughs) that you did for her. (laughs) It just makes people laugh so much. And because I never got to play for the elders, though, I've released one album in my music career so far. And I was talking with my mom about that at that time, that it's sad to me, it was then, that I never did get to live out that dream of playing at a square dance for all the elders, watching them dance and laugh and have all this fun to my music. And so we were talking about this while I was making my album, while I was recording it. And then she said to me, she was listening and she goes, oh, my boy, she goes, well, you know what? She says, you know that they're all listening from above, right? And I looked at her and I decided to name my album just that, Listening From Above. And that's to honor all those loved ones that are that are up there. Because growing up in Grand Rapids, they were all my grandmas and grandpas. Even if I wasn't related to them, you know, it was Grandpa William, Grandpa Church, Grandpa Isa, Grandma Adeline, Grandma Agnes. Everyone was all my grandmas and grandpas. Because they were a huge part of why I got into my music and why I have so much enthusiasm for it still to this day is because I'm playing for them. I do know that they are all listening from above. I absolutely know that because our loved ones, they visit us in so many different ways. You know, it's not just the dreams. If it's a random song on the radio that reminds you of them, if it's a random smell that reminds you of them, or if you're just out and about living your life on any given day and a random memory pops up that reminds you of them, that is 100% them. That is absolutely them. I was fortunate enough, though, to have a dream one time where I was playing at the old highboard hall there. In that dream, all the elders were there. When I came walking in, I saw them all and I was just looking around at the room thinking, wow, what are they all doing here? You know, this is so awesome to see them. And I was going around giving everybody hugs. And when I saw my grandma in the dream, I broke down and started crying and I wanted to start hugging her. And they were all there to watch me play. They were they were all excited. They were all saying, like, go plug in your fiddle. We've been waiting for you. Just talking about it now gives me goosebumps because I remember feeling so excited plugging in the fiddle and then plucking the strings to make sure it's coming through the system. I said to them, all right, you guys, I've been waiting for this moment for so long. I'm so glad you guys are here today. Why don't we start off with a tune that you guys all know we're going to do maple sugar. I was like, grab your partners and get on that dance floor. And I just remember having full on goosebumps. Wow. And so that dream has encouraged me in its own way to keep on going, to keep doing this 
what I'm doing because they introduced that music into my life. So a good way to honor them is by continuing that and what they've brought into my life. It's been 20, I hate saying how long I've been playing fiddle for because it makes me sound old, but <laughs> it'll be 23 years this December that I began playing fiddle. And it's been such an incredible journey. Amazing. So Thank you so much for that story and that sentiment. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom, your knowledge, all of your learning, all of your experiences with self-love. Just for people that are listening that want to bring you to their community, that want to have you for their conferences or anything that they are having in their community, what are the types of workshops that you offer and where can we find you? I'm still developing my website. The last part that I need to do is I'm getting a photo shoot done this weekend and those are going to be the photos used for the website but for now i always tell people to um, find me on social media which is facebook instagram or even tiktok these days but um a lot of the workshops that i do like i do my favorite one so far is this creative writing workshop it's all optional because the biggest tool on my belt in this line of work is freedom of choice i don't tell people that they that they need to be living their life a certain way I don't tell kids don't drink and don't do drugs. So when I'm writing, doing this creative writing workshop, I say, you know what, this is totally optional. It's not mandatory. And, you know, there's no right or wrong way to participate in this. If you want to write out one word at a time, if you want to write out bullet point form or story mode focuses for you to start letting go of some of that stuff you have been carrying, because some of the stuff that we have been carrying in our lives was never ours to carry in the first place. Mm -hmm. So while I'm up here talking, I'm going to go through all these different points of my life, the good and the bad and everything. And so while I'm up here talking, there are going to be things that are going to come to the surface for you, things that you may have buried at some point in your life. Because if there's one thing we got good at as human beings, it is storing trauma in our bodies. And sometimes we bury things so deep down, we forget that we buried it. We forget what we are carrying. But just because we forgot doesn't mean that our spirit did. And that's why so many of us are carrying around things like anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation and rage and all this kind of stuff. So while I'm up here talking, there are going to be things that come to the surface for you. What I want you to do, if you feel you can, is write it down. Because I understand that not everybody is good at being vocal and verbal about what they're going through in their life. So writing it down is a way of getting it out. And any way of getting it out is a thousand times better than keeping it in. And I say, you know your story better than anyone else in this world. And what we are doing today is giving you the power over your story instead of your story having that power over you. And what I mean by that is so many people will try to justify their actions in life by saying, well, you know, I had a hard life. Well, I went through this. Well, you know what? I didn't have an easy childhood. And it's like, you know what? Neither did I. But, you know, I got tired of my story having that power over me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to begin taking back my power over my story. So I say, this is just a way for you to gently open that door for yourself for healing. And, you know, you can write it out any way that you want to. And at the end of this three days that we are together, we're going to have a letting go ceremony. And what that is, is I'm going to go outside, I'm going to light a sacred fire on the outside, and we're all going to go out there together when it's ready. I will give you some tobacco to offer your story to the fire, should you wish to do so, because it's all optional every step of the way. I give them sort of the words, sort of a baseline as to what they can say. They are letting this go now. 
you have to do it with the intention of letting go because that intention is so powerful. If you look at it just for the actions of what we're doing, we wrote on some paper and we're throwing it into a fire. But if you do it now with the intention of letting go, that this is no longer yours to carry. And by you letting this go, you are working to move forward in a good way. I love this part of the ceremony here is you'll see people come up and they'll be shaking, holding that piece of paper. And you'll see them crying as they put that paper into the fire. And then they look up at the sky and they take that big, deep breath because now they entered a new chapter into their life. They are on a new path in life. They've opened a huge door for themselves. So they take that big, deep breath, and then we all go inside. And you'll see that they feel so much better just the moment that they put that paper into the fire. And not everybody does. Sometimes I tell them, if you want to take your story home and continue adding to it, by all means, this is your story. We're just helping you to give you that power over your story. So whatever you decide to do is up to you. But at the end of it all, we go inside and then We take that little minute there and then I tell them, I am so incredibly proud of each and every single one of you. Because the last few days while I've been up here talking, I would see that you guys were so engaged, but that you were also writing down so much. And you know what? Every time I saw you grab that pen and you start writing something down again, that made my heart happy because I could see what it was doing for each and every single one of you. I want you all to be proud of yourselves because the truth is you didn't have to come to this three-day workshop. You could have chose to do something else. You could have chose to stay at home watching Netflix. You could have went out and did something else. But instead, you guys came here to an event based around healing. That tells me a lot about who you are. And I'm absolutely proud of each and every single one of you. So I want you to be proud of yourselves. And a good way of helping us with that in our lives is the way that we walk in life. And I'll give them this example. I say, how many of you walk around like this? And I'll put my head down and start walking around. And a lot of them laugh because that is how many of us walk around in life with our head down. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when we're walking around like that? We are only seeing the same thing, the ground, right? And so we tend to enter into overthinking mode. So I say, what I want you guys to do is to hold your head up high. Because this will break you out of that overthinking mode. And you know what? You absolutely deserve to hold your head up high. You deserve to be proud of yourself. And the more that you walk around with your head held high, the more you will notice a difference in the way that you feel, the way that you view yourself, and the way that you view the world. And not only that, because I talk to them a lot about gratitude and how gratitude is the absolute game changer in life. When we walk with our heads down, we are only seeing the same thing. But if we walk with our heads held high, now, you know, we might see the sun setting a certain way that is just absolutely beautiful. Maybe we'll see a moment between two people that puts a smile on our face where there's just absolute and genuine happiness between those two people. I love seeing people happy. So for me, when I see people like run and they hug each other at the airport and you see that love and and happiness, I'm like, oh, right on, man. I'm so happy for them. Now, maybe it's a smile that somebody gave to you that day because those smiles are so powerful that a smile from a total stranger can change somebody's day, maybe even save somebody's life. So while we're out here holding our head up high, we are providing ourselves with the opportunity to see all of these beautiful things. And the more that we practice gratitude in life, the better that we get at it, the more we begin to recognize all of the beautiful things to be grateful for. So I like to hold my head up high and take in as much of the world as I can. Because I've learned to appreciate things now that I never thought about in my life. I was never a guy to watch sunrise and sunset. I was never a guy to appreciate all of the little things in life when I was younger. But now I have. Now I could be out for a walk and if I see a random flower blooming in the middle of nowhere, 
I'm going to sit and stop and look at it for a while, acknowledge it and just be like, wow. And I'll take a little picture of that mm-hmm. and then keep walking. And then yeah. as I'm walking, maybe the sun is shining through the trees a certain way. Looks beautiful. Take a picture of that. I'm grateful for all of these little things as I'm walking around the sunrise, sunset, cloud formations, people. And so living my life like this is creating that happiness for me. I got tired of waiting for happiness to show up. So I began to create it by practicing gratitude. And it, that practicing gratitude linked all of these things together, like holding my head up high, taking time to acknowledge things, slowing down. Yeah. A lot of times when you see people walking, they're in a rush to get somewhere. They're, they're power walking all the way through. They, they're not taking the time to notice anything. Slow down and appreciate all of the beautiful things around you. Because I promise you, there are so many beautiful things around you to be grateful for. So the, all those pictures that I take of the random flower, sun shining through the trees, cloud formation, sunrise, people say to me, wow, Blaine, you take such great pictures. Like, where do you get this stuff? Like, how can I, how can I get this in my life? And I always laugh. I say, go outside, <laughs> you know, and it's, oh. it's everywhere. Yeah. Yes. That sounds like such an amazing and powerful experience. Your whole vision for this workshop that you're creating or that you've already created. And you're also available for motivational speaking, for music. Motivational speaking, workshop facilitation, live music, hosting events. The business just tends to keep growing. And so a lot of the topics that that I will mainly get asked to speak on are breaking the cycles of abuse, overcoming addictions, meth awareness, drug and alcohol prevention, gang and violence prevention, bullying, learning to love ourselves, journey to self-care. But what I tell people is that if you're going to ask me to come and speak on addictions, I can't just speak on addictions because in order the way that I view it, in order to overcome our addictions, majority of the time we need to treat the trauma because for a lot of people, addiction is an attempted form of an escape. So what are they trying to escape? It could be trauma, could be their feelings, their reality, their life, something. They are trying to escape something and I did this for 10 years. In order to overcome the addictions, we need to treat the trauma. So I'm going to need to talk about If I talk about addictions, I got to talk about breaking the cycles of abuse because that touches base on intergenerational trauma that I had endured. And sadly, there are a lot of people from our generation who have endured some form of abuse. And uh, so when I talk about all this stuff, that is what builds that connection. I always give those disclaimers when I work with communities and crowds. I say, while I'm up here, we are going to go through some heavy stuff. There are going to be parts of this presentation that are going to get incredibly heavy. But what's important for you guys to know is that we need to go through the heavy in order to get to the healing. Because for years, I could not heal because I just kept pretending I wasn't hurt. And I need to say that again. It's so important you guys understand that. For years, I could not heal because I just kept pretending that I wasn't hurt. It was only when I began to acknowledge the life that I lived and all the things that I was carrying. Only then was I truly able to begin my healing journey. But if at any point in time it becomes too heavy for you, you are more than welcome to step out, take a moment for yourself. You are not going to hurt my feelings and it's not going to offend me. This is just a way for you to take good care of you. But it is important for you guys to know that we do need to go through the heavy in order to get to the healing. So when I put it that way, it kind of helps them in that moment when those triggers or whatever come up. 
if they're sitting there, sometimes it does get too heavy for people and they will have to leave, but rarely ever because I prepared them for that in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah. I'm willing to sit here and listen to this now. And when I talk to them about if you need to cry, cry, that's, that's such a beautiful thing. Crying is the most natural form of healing that we've been given as human beings. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I share with them that I am 34 years old, but it has taken me 30 years of my life to learn how to cry. And I always repeat that again, that, that part. I'm 34 years old, but it has taken me 30 years of my life to learn how to cry. But now that I can cry, I'm so proud of myself because now I don't only cry at hard times. I cry for happiness. Mm. I cry for joy. And that is so beautiful. You know, and I, like not even just happiness and joy and all that stuff. You should have saw me crying at the Avengers movies, I tell them. <laughs> when I was watching the Avengers, man, I was crying like a baby watching this. And I, I realized I was like, damn, I'm really going hard. And I looked, <laughs> Other people in the theater were crying really hard, too. And I was like, okay, right. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, that's awesome. but acknowledging that, though, that, hey, you know what? At the hardest times of my life back then, I couldn't cry. I wouldn't allow myself to. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here at the Avengers and I'm crying like a baby. That is growth. That is absolutely 100% tremendous growth in my life. And I'm proud of that. I share with them the disclaimers. I, I put things in a way that gently helps them to open the door for themselves in their life. I prepare them along the way. And I love that a huge part of the work that I do is that when I open these, help these people to open the, those doors for themselves in their life, they come and they bring to me what resonated with them, why they needed to hear what I shared, yeah. what, what it brought to the surface for them. And some of that stuff can get very heavy. But what I love about it is that they are now working at letting go. Some of the stuff that these people say, they've never talked about in their life ever. This is the first time they ever said it out loud. And so for them to take this tremendous step forward, I'm so grateful to be a part of that. I'm so proud of them for doing so. And uh, I'm constantly trying to get a new message out there to the men that it takes a real man to cry. Because a lot of us have men have grown up with that message of man up, a yeah. real man doesn't cry. And I say, you know what, though? I don't think that's the truth. Yeah. I think the truth is, is that it takes a real man to cry because true strength, and this applies to everybody, is allowing ourselves to feel what we feel. You know, whether that be happiness, sadness, anger, joy, fear, euphoria, love, heartache, any of it. I want to feel all of it. And I say, why is it that throughout our lives, we're only quick to acknowledge two emotions, happiness and anger. When we're happy, you know, we wear it on our face, tone of our voice, our body language and everything. It's very obvious when we're happy. When we're angry, same thing, tone of our voice, the look on our face, body language and everything, very obvious. But when we're sad, for some reason, we always try to hide from that one. And not only do we try to hide it from everybody else, we try to hide from it ourselves. But sadness is going to be a part of our life. 
doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter any of that stuff. Sadness is a part of life. So it's important to acknowledge that sadness. When I share with the guys that it's taken me 30 years of my life to learn how to cry, but now that I can, you know, life has become a lot more manageable for me in that sense. And I talk to them about why, you know, like I have to go into that heavy though with, with this part, when I talk to them about the abuse that I went through and that no matter how bad those beatings got, no matter how swollen and unrecognizable I would become or any of it, I was never allowed to cry. And this stuck with me my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I lost my sister, my little sister, tragically at a house party a little over 10 years ago. When that happened, I, I couldn't and would not allow myself to cry. And that time of my life became very difficult, whereas it didn't have to be if I just allowed myself to let those tears fall. And I say the truth is, after a good cry, we all feel better. I don't care how big you are, or how strong you think you are, or how bad you think you are. After a good, good cry, we all feel better. And so when I'm putting this uh, in this perspective, building that connection to the members and the audience by sharing with them all that I do, I love when, when um, you know, afterwards people come up and they're saying, thank you so much for coming out. I loved your, your message. I loved your presentation. They're saying all this stuff. You'll see the one guy walking around at the back. And he's looking over at me, but he's very unsure. And he wants to come and talk, but he's afraid of what's going to happen here. I remember that feeling. Then when he finally comes over, you will say, hey, you know, what you said up there, it kind of sounded like you were talking about my life. And, you know, I've always had a hard time with with crying and, and they'll be sharing this stuff. And then. I start to see the telltale signs that they're holding it in, that they're holding it back, whether it be their lip quivering, their eyes watering, their voice getting shaky, something. And when I see that, I like to offer them a gentle nudge is what I call it. I just put my hand on their back or on their shoulder and I'll say, hey, it's okay, man, you can let it out. And when I say that in that way, boom, they start crying Mm -hmm. and they cry hard. And some, a lot of the times they grab onto me and they start hugging me. Because mm-hmm. I guess I feel safe for them in that moment. And they'll hug me crying on my shoulder. I have held some of these people for up to an hour while they just cried super hard. And all I can think about is all those years that they buried and suppressed their emotions, their tears, and their sadness are now coming out. That is so beautiful. And so at the end of this, so often now what happens is, however long they took that they needed to, to cry, they'll start wiping away their tears and they say, oh man, I'm so sorry about that. I'm not usually a crier. Like, I don't know what happened. I say, hey, 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 how do you feel? And they think about it. Well, actually I feel better. I say, okay, that's what I want you to remember is that you felt better. That you felt better. I say, then they'll say, thank you so much, man. Like, I really appreciate that. I say, you don't even have to thank me. All I want is for you to remember how good it felt to finally let some of that stuff go. If you can, keep that door open for yourself in your life. When you need to cry, cry. If you can't cry, but you need to get it out, scream with the intention of getting it out. And I tell them, I need to do this in my life a lot of the times too. I will go out 
to a field somewhere and I will scream at the top of my lungs with the intention of getting it out because this is how I take good care of me. And by doing these things, it's not harming anyone. Me crying is not harmful to anyone. Me screaming is not harmful to anyone. This is how I learn to take good care of me. And so when I share that with them, a lot of them will continue that on in their life. They can't cry, but they feel they need to. They're going to go scream at the top of their lungs with the intention of getting it out. That intention is so powerful. And yeah, that's such an important story. And, you know, I just I wish and pray that more people get to hear that and more people get to have you in their community. And what I'll do at the end of this podcast is in the show notes, I'll link all of your socials and your email, if that's OK. And um, so that if people want to find you and bring you to their community, they'll know where to go. That's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, Thank you so much for sharing today. It was so, so great. I can't wait for everybody to hear this part of your story. I'm grateful that you asked. I noticed that podcasts are starting to become a thing where I'm getting asked to be on all these different podcasts. So when you asked me, I was excited because I've been watching you grow in your career and everything like that too. And I was excited when we finally got to work alongside one another at the same event. And just to be sharing the stage so to speak with a person like yourself was an honor for me because i i know how much my auntie gladys loved you you know she loved you she loved the work you do she loved your book she was just always had so many beautiful things to say about you so working with you in a way reminded me of her and i know that if, if she had still been here today and I said, hey, guess who I'm going to be working with, blah, blah, blah. She would have been just beaming and so happy about it. So in a way, it like, it made me think about her again, you know, because yeah. she absolutely loved and adored you. I'm grateful that you asked me to be a part of this podcast. Thank you for saying that. If I had to choose my number one fan, she was my biggest fan of my book. She would oh, always yeah. tell me and she would always, she would give it to people. She would tell people, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. <laughs> yeah. She loved and adored you with all of her heart. And, you know, she's a huge part of who I am today. Yeah. And last year when I, when she made her journey to the spirit world, I'll share this one last thing. Cause like I, I was talking to you about gratitude is a game changer. Lately, I've been sharing this teaching and I'm so grateful that I've learned it in my life because it's helped me so much. And I'm grateful to share it with others because so many of us are grieving loved ones. Yeah. There's been a lot of people who have passed away in the last few years. And a lot of people are on their journey with grief and loss right now. So last year when it was coming close to the end of her five-year long battle with cancer, I was sitting at her bedside one day. And whenever I would lose people in my life, I would be angry. I would just get mad at the world, mad at creator and everything. And I would say, why, why are you going to do this? Why are you going to take away somebody who means so much to me? You always bring people into my life that I, I love and respect and care for so much. And then you take them away. Why are you going to do this to me? So here I was sitting at her bedside, looking at her and it hurt to see her like this in those last days, but I was grateful to be there to help take care of her. But out of nowhere, I started getting angry while I'm at her bedside. And I didn't want to sit at her bedside angry. So I rubbed her hand and I said, I'll be back, Auntie. I have to go for a walk. So I went down to the point and I was overlooking the water. And each step I took towards getting to the point, though, I became more angry because I thought, here you are again. You're going to do this to me again. 
You're taking away somebody that I love so much, somebody that means so much to me. You're going to take her away. Why are you going to do this? And so these thoughts are progressing and spiraling out of control, so to speak. So I'm sitting at the point, looking up mad. And then I realized, you know what? I don't want to be mad anymore. I choose to be grateful. Grateful for the life that we live together. Grateful for the memories that we created, for the love that we shared, all that laughter that we had over the years, and for the space that we held in each other's hearts. She is a huge part of who I am today. And I would rather have had all this time that I had with her than never had that at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to be hard moving forward without her, but I will choose to honor her by being who she saw in me. You know, I'm grateful for all those things she brought into my life. I'm grateful for her presence that she had, for the love that we shared and everything, because she believed in me at times that I couldn't believe in myself. She saw so much good in me that I couldn't see in myself at the time. And so a good way to honor her is by taking good care of me and by doing my best to be who she saw in me. And so out of nowhere, I was able to put all of that anger down. And I wasn't angry anymore. I was just grateful. So that gratitude is absolutely the game changer. You know, and when I share that with communities in that way that, you know, a lot of them will cry because they've been on their journey too and they've been struggling with it and they don't know how they're going to get through it and everything. And then I remind them, grief doesn't go anywhere. We learn to grow around our grief. And if you're struggling with grief right now, one of the thoughts I know that pops up for me in my life when I'm grieving is, how am I going to get through the rest of this life without them? How am I going to get through this month without them with how I'm feeling right now? How, you know, and I'm asking myself all these wrong questions. I put all of that down and I remind myself that I don't need to get through the rest of this life without them. I just need to get through today. Because I'm a person that lives for today. Because in my mind, yesterday is gone. And tomorrow is never really promised anyway. All that we ever really have is today. So you know what? Today, I will take good care of me. Today, I will do my best, knowing that my best is going to look different every single day. Today, I'm going to be gentle on myself. And if I need to cry, I'm going to cry. You know, so just honoring them by taking good care of me. So, you know, like that gratitude, I'm so glad it came at that time because losing my auntie was incredibly hard for me. Still is, you know, like when that incident happened last week where I fell and like end up in the hospital and all that stuff. When I came to at the hospital, I wanted to call her to let her know I was okay. So that told me that she must have been with me why I felt that urge. To, she must have been with me in spirit there beside me at, at the hospital. Because they do visit us in so many different ways. It's not just the dreams. It's a random smell, random memory, random song that reminds you of them. That is 100% them. And so I like to acknowledge those visits by talking out loud to them. My Auntie Gladys used to always talk about the Russell Inn. She really loved the Russell Inn for some reason. <laughs> a lot of workshops there and everything. And she just really loved that place, the atmosphere, the look, all of it. After we lost her, I was doing a workshop over at the Russell Inn. And I started thinking about her. 
I was sitting in the restaurant and I started to miss her. And I started thinking, man, you know what? Like, we always used to talk about this place. Being here is really hard without you. And then out of nowhere, over the house system, her favorite song came on. And this was a song that she used to say, oh, let's get up and dance, my boy. And she'd be all happy to get up and dance to this. And so I looked at the speakers and I was like, huh. And I said out loud, I said, that's you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I said, thank you for coming to visit me. It's been really hard here without you. But I'm doing my best to take good care of me as a way to honor you. Thank you for believing in me at the times that I couldn't believe in myself and for the space that you held in my heart. I love you so much. I miss you. Come visit me again. And when I say this, it helps me to have peace in that moment, helps me to still feel connected to them and gives me a healthy way and a healthy outlet with this grief. Because I'm, yeah. I'm still grieving her, but I, I'm grateful for what I learned to help me get through the grief. Well, thank you so much for that last story. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you were able to find a takeaway from this episode. Don't forget to share with a friend who may need some motivation today or share on your social media and inspire all your friends. Bye for now.